Well, hey, it is really good to be back. I haven't seen you all in a long time. We had uh, Christmas Eve Eve, was a little nuked by some bad weather, and we were gone last week. My wife and uh, kids and I had the amazing privilege of uh, going to Europe the day after Christmas. And uh, we, we kind of went on a whim um, uh, by an invitation to work with some of our church planting partners there who basically, they were doing a conference. Um, our good friend and brother Shapur, uh, uh, he's a guy uh, from the Middle East. You've heard me talk about him uh, before. He's an Iranian brother who basically works with refugees that are flooding into Europe, flooding into England and Liverpool. He pastors a Farsi-speaking church and a large movement network there of Afghanis, Syrians, Pakistani, um, Afghani brothers and sisters, Iranians, who are coming to Jesus in waves. It was so amazing to go to this conference in Germany and be, it was just like the body of Christ. There was Chinese brothers and sisters, there was German, there was English. I mean, there was this <clears throat> Afghani, Pakistani, Syrian, uh, Lebanese, um, Iranian. We were the only six Americans. And it was just amazing to uh, go minister with these people. And then we um, got to do some, and then we got to do some fun stuff too as a family. So we just kind of doubled up. We've never been to Europe. And so it was a really sweet, cool, refreshing time. So sorry we missed last week, but I'm, I'm sure Barry, uh, you know, I'm sure you guys weren't disappointed. He was here. So just want to thank him for the words he shared. But it was really great. But one of the things that I, that I realized, like I do a lot of this stuff. I work with people all over the globe, fortunately. There's just people that I get to, who build into me, that I've got to build in them. And this is a network of churches that we're really doing a lot of coaching and training and leadership with because there's tons of people and they, they don't know Jesus and they're very new in their faith. So even a lot of their leaders are very new in the faith. So we've got to do a lot of discipleship with them and thank God for stuff like Zoom. But it was really cool to go face to face to see these people that we've interacted with or praying for us and we pray for them. But one thing that was cool, I love doing this, but I realized I love this church. I love you guys and my family, we love being here. And it's an honor to pastor a church with a global vision, with a heart for the refugee, for the broken, for the widow, for just people whose lives, everyone's hurting. And so I love you guys. And it was just really cool. Thank you for your prayers. Thanks for your encouragement. Thanks for your understanding when, when I have to miss sometimes because we're doing this stuff. But it's really, it's, it's so great to be here. And I, I, I love you guys. And I, I, I really missed you. I'm like, man, we didn't get in until late last night. I'm like, I'm gonna be there unless I'm like puking my guts out, which I'm not sick, don't worry about that. I'm saying I'm gonna be there because I, I love this family and it's an honor, to, it's an honor to, be, to be your pastor, to be one of the elders here. Um, I'm one of the pastors, but it, it's an honor to be on that team and it's an honor to uh, serve with y'all. So I wanna thank you for that and for everything and just give you a little update. And, and I'll tell you more, feel free to ask me more stuff, but it, it, was, it was amazing. And Europe's cool. Like, dude, it's like, it, it's cool. I mean, like, you know, um, it was just cool. Like, I don't know, being like in the Louvre, it's, being, being, it's been being built continuously since 1190. Like, we got a Christmas tree size history. These people got like a redwood. And then you talk to the people from Persia. Some of their buildings are 4,000 years old. You know, they got a history. It's not like a redwood. It's like a thing going up to heaven and back. And, and so it, it was just, just neat to see different cultures, different perspectives. But, um, well, hey, this week we're opening up a brand new series called Healthy Sexuality. 
And we've given some disclaimer on this. I don't want you to think, it's not like the X-rated group, but I want you to know if, if you don't understand what sexual pleasure means, if you don't understand what sexual fulfillment means, if you don't, we're gonna be talking about these terms in a very, um, in a very adult fashion. Not like, I said, it's not like, don't feel like you're gonna have to take a mind bath after you leave. I mean, some of you, if you're total prudes, like you might, but um, get over it. Uh, because it's just, I'm, so, I'm not gonna cater to, I'm not gonna cater to that. We're gonna, we're gonna balance somewhere between lewd and prude, okay? If you wanna say, like, the quest for the radical middle is somewhere between lewd and prude. We're not gonna be Puritans, but we're not gonna be X-rated, okay? Because I think that that radical middle space that, uh, like, is a movement is where Jesus hangs out. And so we're just gonna talk honestly and candidly. One thing I want you to do, we're gonna say some stuff that's gonna challenge you. We're gonna speak straight out of the word of God, and as always, we're not gonna apologize. If you're offended, take it up with the most high. If I say something stupid or off color, take it up, up with me. If you're offended by the word, talk to Yahweh. If you're offended because I'm ignorant sometimes, take it up with me. Or take it up with Amber, because I'll just let her deal with all that. <laughs> <laughs> I would prefer... Uh, <laughs> but so like, I just want you, you know, we're gonna have this conversation, but I'm gonna ask you to open your heart and mind because I think our culture lies to us. I think what we see in movies and in media, I think we've been lulled to sleep and we're just drinking this water real slowly and I think it's kind of numbed our senses to what God intends. I think we've trivialized a lot of it. I think some of it, we're like, oh, that might've been okay back then, but you know, we're the 21st century does he mean that now? I'm gonna say yes, he doesn't change, so I'm gonna let you know that means he hasn't changed. What he wrote on it, what he inspired men and women to write across continents, across time, he hasn't changed on it. And contextually, we're not way different than some of these letters. Okay, so we're gonna talk about that stuff because if we look in our world, church, and we look in the church, the statistics, in the church, unfortunately, are not radically different. We can look, you can open up the news any day and you can see that some pastor was caught with his hand in, in the cookie jar or, you know, and he was caught in his desk with his secretary or a woman from a church or, you know, a woman's caught with an elder or whatever. I mean, I've seen stuff that, you know, church orgies caught on tape. That security cameras of people having romps, you know, it's, it's this is not what the body of Christ is meant to look like. And this is, Jesus has a higher standard. I was, I've been reading this great book, Francis Chan, called Letters to the Church. And one of the things Francis Chan said that blew my mind, he said, all of us would know from movies or from maybe real life experiences, if we saw a demonic, a person who was demon possessed, they would look different. Like you'd be like, ah, that's pretty scary. That's pretty uncomfortable. Anyone ever been around someone or a situation or watched a movie where you saw someone who was demon-possessed and it made, you, made your leg a little bit wet? Right? He said, if we know that that's true, he said, how many people do we know when we look at the fruit of the spirit inside of them that they look that much different from the regular person as well? How many of us can look at our lives, can look at our purity, can look at the word of God, and, or, or maybe we, or other people, and like, that is so much different from the world that it looks as different as like a demonic person looks from a normal person. 
The spirit of God, the finger of Jesus drives out demons. The power of Jesus is so much greater than the power. He allots the enemy. God grants him some of these privileges. Like Satan can take up nothing on his own. We know in Job, he goes to the court of God. Not gonna get into that, but we know, but shouldn't people, as born again people, shouldn't our lives look different than the world? Shouldn't we have different views on sexuality, different standards, different um, openness to what God's saying? Shouldn't we think it goes a little further than maybe we're willing to go? And that's what we're gonna talk about in this series. Because I think if we look in our world, there is nothing that has marred the world probably more than sexual sin. If you look at the greatest ills in our society, look at the most broken people. Most of the people that are junkies, flunkies, the addicts, most of them are victims and perpetrators of also sexual brokenness. There was a a Focus on the Family study done in the late 90s, and they surveyed thousands of inmates from hundreds of prisons, and what they found of people who had committed violent crimes and sexual crimes, 99.5, I think it was 99.5% of them were people who were perpetrated at some time in their life, or they were currently addicted to pornography. So we look at violence. Violence is often like associated with people that have um, great sexual indiscretion. So you look, at, you look at abortion. Most people that are married don't have abortions. Because you're married, part of it is you expect to have children. So you look at People sleeping around, you look at STDs, you look at human trafficking. If you, we, we survey like the landscape in Africa of these, just a whole continent that's been ravaged by, by AIDS, a lot of it's just people that sleep around. And we look at from the 1990s till now, the increase in STDs in our country. It's like friends that show friends somehow like glorified, made it like, like the hookup culture really cool. And I think a lot of Christians, some of you are sitting in here, maybe you've been single or maybe you are single, maybe you're a widow, maybe you're a widower and somehow you've maybe bought this at like, oh, it might not be the worst thing to sleep with people I go out on dates with. I mean, we know over 40% of people commit adultery. More women commit adultery than men, which is crazy. If you think about it, I just, that, that stat kind of blew my mind. Um, you know, more men seem to have great sexual addictions, but seem women, you know, I mean, adultery, it's pretty close, but I was actually surprised, and I'm not, like, picky on anyone, but I just was surprised, and the amount of women that are currently addicted to pornography is staggering. We see from the advent of the internet, there was this twist and this turn in this culture, the revolution that started in the 60s, that we know, like, you know, the hippies run around naked at Woodstock, and, you know, it's... Uh, Imagine all the people and running around with their clothes off, you know, sort of thing. And, and then that gave birth to these Gen X children that where the divorce rate was all of a sudden is the same as staying married rate. So a lot of people grew up latchkey kids and grew up in single family homes and grew up with a ton of brokenness. Ton of brokenness. And then my, and, and my generation, those people who were the children of the boomers, um, then have given way to this culture of friends, to the advent of the internet. And I believe like the internet is kind of the super serum. It's like the Pandora's box. We've seen a sexual explosion and exploitation of addiction, of trafficking, of adulterous behavior unseen ever in world history. 
I mean, me and Carla were talking about this years ago. We had three friends within a couple years. Oh, somehow their marriage is dissolved just by meeting people back up on Facebook. Just three. That was us. That was a couple. Like, so how many people, like, you know, just this, there's this Pandora's box. And I'm not calling the internet bad. I'm not saying Facebook is the devil. I'm just saying that there's something about this knowledge, this knowledge where I don't know if we're any better or smarter as a society from all this knowledge we have at our disposal. But I think some of the knowledge that we have, this worldly uh, capacity to receive all this stuff, has caused the church to look much more like the world than the world looks like the church. Let's just call it what it is. And I think there's a lot of misnomers out there about sex. We kind of have that like Nike mantra, just do it. And you might not say, oh, I don't, I don't believe that, but maybe some of our habits lend to that. Some of our fantasies lend to that. Some of our experiences lend to that. And I'm not, I'm not putting anyone down, okay? But what I'm saying is we're going to, there, like Houston, we have a problem. And you can't heal or change what you don't acknowledge. So we're just gonna talk frankly about stuff that like we know it's a blight. This is not something like, hey, I got a little scuff on my door of my car. No, this is like my car has been hit with a battering ram, got front-ended by a semi, and then the Hulk picked it up in the back and dropped it off the cliff. <laughs> if you wanna talk about the havoc this is wreaking in our world, this is the stuff. And we're not gonna be ignorant, we're not gonna be immature, we're not gonna be over the top, but we're also not gonna be quiet. And so the next six weeks are gonna be, um, I want you to send in your questions. Send your questions in. Um, I, I think we have a link on the website, or you can just email on our website, info, info at vineyardflorence.church. Um, Email questions, because our last week of this series, I got a friend who's my counselor, who's a counselor, uh, a good friend of mine, Jordan McNeely, uh, Counseling Alliance. He works specifically with people whose lives have been marred by sexual addiction or people whose lives have been hurt by living with addicts. Jordan's gonna come and speak. We're gonna have a conversation. We're gonna answer a lot of those questions. And then we're gonna actually do, if there's some live Q&A that day, um, we're gonna talk about this. So if you have questions about this stuff, we want to talk about it. We never want to be a church that says, oh, you know, let's, let's be vanilla. I mean, really, how many people vanilla is your favorite ice cream? Is there many? I know there's a couple, but that's not many people. It's a good base, but it ain't the whole thing. And so we're not going to be vanilla about it. But we want to have a forum for Q&A. Like I said, if there's something that's thought-provoking, if there's something that's incendiary, there's something that's annoying, or there's something you're like, I just don't know how to talk to this about people. Ask those questions, Okay. So, um, so there's misnomers about sex about, that we're gonna address because to a lot of people, it's whomever, wherever, whenever, however. And a lot of us identify ourselves as um, what our sexual desires are. Our identity does not come from who we have sex with. It does not come for what we like to have sex with. It does not come from our sexual experiences. It doesn't come from what other people have said or done to us. Do you know our sexual identity is part of our identity as God's kids? Like, do you know God made us sexual creatures? Like, God wasn't caught off guard that we were gonna love this. 
He wasn't caught off guard. I mean, if you think about it, there's a female, like part of the female body, like the clitoris is literally nothing else but pleasure. God made our bodies like that. And some of you are like, dude, that's like too much. Get over it. I didn't make your body. You learned that in seventh grade health. If you, you know, like, go be mad at your teacher more than me because I'll probably teach you more what the Bible says about it. But there's this thing that God made it to be wonderful. I think that's the problem is it's, there's so many wonderful things about it that a lot of times we just can't check it. We can't get enough of it. We don't know how to handle it. Seriously, I mean, I, I love sex. You know, I'm thankful I'm married. I'm thankful, like, I, 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 I'm thankful for it. I love my kids. I love, I love my wife. I'm glad that God, uh, God made me a man. I'm thankful for that. Thankful that he made me who I am. And, but he didn't just make it for pleasure. He also made us to be fruitful and multiply. He also made us to be intimate with another person, to know and to be known. There's something about my sexuality that I can never know, that I can never unlock, that I can never experience unless I fully, uninhibitably give myself to another with open hands. He made Adam and Eve naked. There was some, there's something about that I didn't learn way too long in life, and some of you guys know my story. I've dealt with a great amount of sexual brokenness that took me so long to be able to um, understand the gift of God it was, that it is. God made us as sexual creatures. And I'm gonna be straight about this too. I know in our culture, one of the most prevalent things is the LGBTQ transgender stuff is just in our faces nonstop. That's not God's plan. God made us what we are, if you're ever curious. I know there's probably people in this room that's, that same-sex attraction is a very real struggle for you or someone you love. That same-sex attraction or multiple-sex attraction or you know, just anything goes is a very real struggle. This is one of the things I'm gonna ask you to open your heart to God. Don't go from here today. Some of you are like, oh, I can handle all that. The jokes are funny, but oh, now... Don't be closed off to this. If we cannot believe what the Bible says about the Bible, um, we might not believe what it says about other things too. We can't go say, Jesus, I'll go 99%, but I can't believe that. You know, I'm gay, my kid's gay, or we got this bisexual thing, or my, my kid's struggling with their sexual identity. I'll go there, but this book doesn't mean that. You don't think God knew what he meant. In the very beginning, he talked about how he made us. In the beginning, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Let's turn there. If we can get that up on the screen. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, God, he created them. This means mankind, man and woman. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have a dominion, fish of the sea, the birds of the heaven, every living thing on earth that moves on the earth. Like in the beginning, God made us male and female. He made us to, he made us to complement each other. There's a completion there. And I believe that embedded in both the male and the female, that, there's, that, that we see the nature and character of God because I, I think that like... Um, I don't know if we're very good at if any of us are amazing specimens of Christianity or of God-likeness, but somehow in the two that they became one that we see both parts of God's nature and character and who he means us to be. He made man for woman and woman for man. He physically made us to fit. If you think about how even like the 
Like the anatomy, we fit together. Right? If you've ever done it before, you know it fits. Okay? It's just the way it's, let's just call it what it is. Um, but God made us to fit. He made us to complement too. He made us that there's, that there's two parts to it. That there are two beautiful parts that male and female carry. And I think that there's a full, and I'm not saying if you've chosen a life of singleness that you can't experience the fullness of God, but there's something in the human race that God did not call everyone, everyone to be eunuchs or celibate. Because it would, you know, he said, be fruitful and multiply. And you can't do that without, you know, the seed being planted and then the fruit multiplying. You can't. But God made it like that. He made us to fit and complement one another. God did not make God's invention is not homosexuality. If you look at the highest and best use, I was a real estate appraiser for a long time. One of the things that we talked about when you evaluate a property is the highest and best use. So say we go on 18, and maybe it used to be a farmhouse, but we now know 18's a crazy busy road. Well, that thing might still be operating as a farmhouse, but we know the highest and best use of that thing's probably not as a farmhouse any longer because they sold off the farm. And it's not best uses as a residential. It can still be used as that, but it's not the best use. The highest and best use might be a, of a conversion of that thing to be a office building or a retail space or whatever. So when you evaluate it, you evaluate the as is, but also the highest and best use, the value at operating at its highest and best use. And this series is gonna be a lot of the appraisal of the human condition. We're talking about the highest and best use. A lot of us, our lives have not been used or spent or allocated as the highest and best use of what God had for us. Our sexuality has been given away. It's been thrown away. It's been taken away. There's a lot of people in here who have had sex before they got married or sex with other people, maybe during marriage, or maybe you've hired prostitutes, or maybe you just have compulsive uh, masturbation, self-sex, or, you know, there's, there's lots of things that we've dealt with that... Um, or maybe same sex. Maybe the possibilities are myriad. But, but God has a highest and best use planned for us. And it was inside the bounds of matrimony between a male and a female. So I'm not blowing up people that have same sex struggle or same sex um, issues or same sex family members. I'm not saying that because God wants to redeem every person's sexuality that's broken because he came to make all things new and restore us to the original plan. The second Adam did better than the first Adam. First Adam messed it up. Second Adam, Jesus, comes to fix it. And so this isn't gonna be a series where we just blow up LGBTQ, but we're also gonna say that's not God's plan. It's not God's plan. But sex outside of marriage isn't God's plan either. Sex with other people inside of marriage. Isn't it very interesting? And we'll talk more about this in a few weeks. If you think about it, sex, the one thing that makes a marital relationship different than any other, or it's supposed to be, is sex. It's the one thing that's supposed to make it different. And I think it's why Jesus leaves the one caveat. That's why the one thing he says that you can step out of a marriage for is the one thing that's supposed to make it covenantal. Right? Like, if you just look at the beginning, like the one thing that's supposed to make a marital relationship different is intercourse. And then Jesus says, well, when you invite other people into that, you've broken the covenant. And so we'll talk more about that in two weeks. But we just want to hang on to stuff. And, and you might say, well, that Genesis thing, that's the Old Testament. Well, we look in Mark chapter 10, 
verse six through eight. Can we throw it up there? But from the beginning, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. That one flesh thing is imperative. The becoming of one sex is saying that they become one sex by sexual intercourse. That's what that means. You want, that's the, not the RSV, that's not the Ryan Snow version. If you wanna look at the Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, or English, that two becoming one flesh is as a result of intercourse. So it's sacred that they become a husband and wife and they leave their family, they leave their old lives and the two become one. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. And I think even in our culture, we see man separating. Well, maybe God didn't mean this. Well, God didn't have to deal with internet pornography or the Bible's really antiquated book. He didn't know what he meant about homosexuality. All the book doesn't really say anything about this or that or it doesn't, adultery doesn't really mean that. I mean, my spouse never has sex with me anymore. If I get on my anniversary, I'm lucky. You don't know my situation. You don't know my needs. You don't know how much I need sex, how much I like sex and you don't know how much they hate sex. If you knew, it says the one who invites that drops fire on their lap. Like God's not caught off guard by our struggle. He's not caught off guard by our brokenness, but he also hasn't changed in the stuff that he said eons ago to the first people applies to us now. Do you know why? Because we're still people. Humanity is not evolved. You look at Sodom and Gomorrah, I mean, very early on, some of the struggles we, listen, we are wrestling with in our culture and the revolt, that stuff's happening thousands and thousands of years ago. So this isn't new to God. Like I said, we're not trying to offend anybody. We're not trying to offend anybody, but we also, I, I care way, I want you to know this church, I love you. I care about you, you mean the world to me and I feel honored to be here, but I want you to know if it's ever a question of who would I rather offend, you or Jesus, it's, it's no question to me. It's no question to me. It's no question to me about my kids. If I gotta pick my kids or Jesus, I'm picking Jesus. If it's my wife or Jesus, I'm picking Jesus. He defines me. My identity comes from him, not the other way around. I don't find my identity. No, I'm not saying that I ever wanna be in that situation, but I want you to know that we are gonna be a church that's uncompromisingly devoted to Jesus and what we preach Amen. and talk about. Because yeah. honestly, if not, what are we doing here? Amen. If this is just some add-on, like uh, there's a lot of stuff that could be an easier add-on than someone who says, come die, come suffer, come give your life, come let me rearrange every molecule of your being. <laughs> like, you know, and so I, if we're gonna go that route, let's just go all in. And so, like I said, we're not trying to demonize certain groups. I don't think people who struggle with same-sex attraction are any worse than people that are struggling with having sex outside of marriage or people that struggle with compulsive masturbation or people that struggle with, I, I think we all have sexual brokenness and misunderstandings or none of us is perfect, okay? So we're not, don't walk out, oh, Ryan, look, we're against, we're not against it. If you walk out of here, that's your own ignorance and your own unwillingness to hear the, the, the voice of the scripture, the word of God. I'm telling you what God says. We're not, listen, I've had two gay roommates in my life and I knew one of them was gay when I got into it and I love him 
and he's not gay anymore. He's married to a woman. The Holy Spirit came into his life, and this dude was a male prostitute. This wasn't like some guy that like, thought another guy looked pretty cool at the football locker room. My boy was as gay as gay can be. He said that. He's like, dude, I'm his, he said, I'm the queerest man you've ever met. You never met a more gay man than me. And he was right. I still haven't. Um, but I watched Jesus open this guy's heart and change his life. So if you walk out, oh, Ryan's a bigot. You're more of a bigot than me probably. If you think that about me. Because I, I, I love broken people. I've been broken. And I'm not trying to qualify. I'm just saying like, don't, you, you can talk. You can, you can love the word of God and still love broken people. We're not running Salem witch trials here. We're not smoking people out to see what their sexual desires or struggles are, okay? But you can love the word of God and you can actually, do you know you can actually love people better when you love the word of God more? Because I think if, we, if we're not people that are anchored in the word, we're gonna have a very hard time walking in the spirit. We'll have a very hard time speaking the truth or showing love. Because a lot of what we call love, a lot of our stuff that maybe where you're struggling with this is actually, it's more self-preservation. You don't, wanna, you don't wanna be persecuted for thinking differently than the culture does. A lot of us really struggle with, we don't wanna be persecuted. We want everyone to like us. That for us to be called a bigot, for people to think we're old fashioned, we're fuddy duddy, that's a bigger struggle for a lot of us than, um, than maybe we're willing to admit. And I know at times in my life, I've been worried about that. Or I don't wanna come off as that. But I think you can handle the word of God correctly and lovingly. You can honor God but you can also validate the humanness of a person that you mean something to God no matter how messed up life is. No matter how far you are off, away from the center, Jesus wants to call you home. And do you know some people in our world will never be called home because we're too afraid to speak the truth in love. There's people in our lives that we are not willing to, if we have the chance, have a very open and loving conversation. They say, well, do you believe the Bible still says that? If we don't say, yeah, we're missing a chance to love people right. Do you know that when we won't stand up for the word, when we won't stand next to Jesus and say, yeah, I, I don't know how all this works and I know you have a struggle that maybe I don't, I've never experienced, but I want you to know, I believe the word of God. Well, how? I... Ever since I was little, I've liked boys, or I've liked girls, or I've liked this thing, or I, I didn't do this to myself. I, I don't know. Because remember, Jesus says, who sinned, this man or his parents? But neither, so God's glory could be revealed. I don't know if it's because someone sinned against you. I don't know if it's generational sin. I don't know if it's just ideology gone wild. I don't know what it is, but Jesus can heal it all. And healthy sexuality is only found in understanding God's original design for it and for us and for others. That's all it is. So we're not demonizing, we're not vilifying, we're not casting rocks. We're, if you're, if you're, if you're um, LGBTQ and you're sitting in here, if you're part of that crowd, we're, we're glad you're here. We love you. Just like if you're 200 pounds overweight, we love you. If you're someone who, I've had anger and violence and I've had my own sexual issues, like God loves me and I thank him for that. But we also love people too much to just say, hey, stay where you are even if it could lead you off a cliff. 
And we know our sexuality will lead us off a cliff if it's not surrendered, sanctified, and sold out to God. It will. Look no further than maybe your own life or your family or the person that lives next door to you. Sexuality gone wild is eating the place up, but God has a restorative plan for it. Jesus wants to heal. What he reveals, he heals. And so I, I wanna encourage you in this to have an open mind. And if you have questions or if you're mad about anything I've said, send them to me. Don't just say, oh, screw that. I'm not going to church anymore. I'm not going there. They talked. Like, send the issue. Don't be a, don't be a weenie. Like, seriously, like, our cultures, like, we'll be so tough on email and Facebook, but the thought of ever, or we'll go home like, yeah, that church, that pastor, he's such an idiot, but then we're too much of a pansy to really have the conversation. Let's, let's have a loving conversation. Listen, I, I, I'm open to being wrong on stuff, okay? I'm not, I'm not always right. But I also encourage you to open your heart to God's word, to his voice. Because I think there's stuff in this church that I think that, we are a church with a, an amazing destiny and future. And I think, but there's stuff that God also won't tolerate. It's, it's no, it is no um, coincidence that like when Jesus is talking about the end of the age that he talks about a parable of 10 virgins. He was talking about 10 pure people waiting, waiting. But only two of those 10 even. So we can even have a purity about us that we can still miss what God's doing. Okay? So this isn't just about, to, like, there's some of you that are so prudish and so hateful that you couldn't even love a homosexual, that you couldn't love someone who's caught in sin. You couldn't love someone who's touched a child, or you couldn't love someone who's, who's maybe ruined their life with an affair. Some of us are so prudish that we couldn't even love people. We couldn't even look them in the eye. And Jesus says, be very careful because the kingdom of heaven somehow seems to be closer to those that know they're broke than those that know or those who think they're healthy or those who think that they've never stepped in a pile. Look at the Jesus talking about prayer. We see the dude. Jesus says, which of those do you think was justified today? The one guy is like, oh God, I think I'm not like this dirtbag, this whoremonger, this pervert mess who doesn't pay his taxes. I just thank you. I'm not like that guy who cusses. Hell yeah, God. I thank you. I'm not like him. <laughs> Come on, right? <laughs> but the other guy's like, God, I'm a freaking wreck. My life is jacked. I, I just have no hope. I've messed it up. I misunderstood you. I've got a, my life is destroyed. I... Jesus, I need you. And Jesus says, which one do you think was closer to him that day? Come on, Ryan. So we're not cracking on brokenness and call it irredeemable or say, oh, if you're broken, don't come in here. Because we know a lot of times our messed upness is what even gives the Holy Spirit room and permission to start drawing us, okay? So that's, that's what we're gonna talk about here. And we're gonna talk like sex is way more than just a physical connection. I know people that are like, oh, well, I don't, I don't love you anymore. Or it just doesn't do it for me anymore. It's just, I don't, I don't orgasm or it's just not the same. Or I just, you know, you're kind of fat now. It's just not the same as when I met you. But this guy at the office, this woman, 
in the other department, man, just sex is not just, it's not just a feeling either. We cheapen it when we just call it a feeling. We cheapen it when we just call it procreation. We cheapen it when we just call it recreation. We cheapen it when we just say it's between a man and a woman when it's meant to be between a man and a woman that are lovingly married. So all of it's gonna be on the table here. We'll laugh, we'll cry, we'll pray, we'll talk, we'll have honest discussions. And if you have friends, you have family, invite them. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't know. You're a little off the chain, bro. Yes. <laughs> but listen, they watch Netflix. They listen to podcasts. Like, come on. Like, the world in a lot of ways is way more open to hearing about this stuff in the churches. Because <laughs> we just, oh, well, that's, we, want, we want a Bambi version of it. Like, come on. Sex ain't Bambi. Bambi came here from sex, but like it's not, you know, it's like we all did, but it's not, it's not for babies. That's why we're, we're not gonna, if, if, you're, if your kid's in here today, you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? Like, well, I can't believe my kid's in here. It's, we, 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 we mean this to be like a more mature series. A lot of times we don't have it like that, but that, that's, what we're, that's what we're talking about. And so the cu- next couple weeks, I want you to just Relax. I want you to um, just breathe it in. Breathe it in. We're not gonna just joke endlessly about it. We're not gonna be crass or ridiculous because the world doesn't need that either. But we can be open. We can be honest. We can be, we can be committed. We can be true to this but then also have a very frank discussion that's personally relevant, culturally relevant, and that's transcendent to our experience, but then is very detailed to our situation. So I wanna ask you in the next couple weeks, think about this question. Do my behaviors, thoughts, and actions support what the word of God says about sexuality? Do my thoughts. And I say, well, I'm not cheating, but every guy or gal that walks by, you're maybe dreaming of it a little bit. Or do our words. Do we talk about sex in such a way that we don't look any different than a sailor pouring up on a port in Thailand? Do we just willy-nilly watch other people have sex? You might say, oh, I don't watch porn. Well, if you're watching shows all the time where people are getting down, I mean, that's kind of pornography. Pornographic? Like, are, do we have standards for ourselves that are not just a little better to the world? Do we look different because we're walking in the spirit? Not do we look like a bunch of um, over-the-top prudes, but we gotta be somewhere between like, like Ned Flanders and Homer Simpson, don't we? You know, we gotta be somewhere in between. So I encourage you to open your heart, open your mind, but ask yourself that question this week. Ask yourself that question. I'm gonna end on a quick story. Uh, about eight months ago, I got the awesome privilege to go to the African nation, Uganda. You guys know I've talked about it. If, you're, if you've been here, been around. I got the awesome privilege of going there. And this has been a country that in recent history, 
um, has probably the worst dictator the world's seen in recent history. There was a dude, there was a dude, Eddie Amin. Eddie Amin was the butcher. We know at least 300,000 people were killed, probably closer to 500,000 people of his own people. We know the guy ate people. We know the guy sodomized people. We know he raped people. We know he did some of the most reprehensible stuff. I mean, this guy, this guy might make Hitler look not as bad as him. This guy's wicked. So this country was ravaged. It was closed off, destroyed. <clears throat> Population eviscerated. AIDS was running rampant. Because attitude reflects leadership often. Eddie Amin was a pervert. And there was so much abuse just in the country. It was disgusting. And Uganda came together at the end of 1979. And basically the Catholics, the Protestants, and the non-militant uh, non, non Muslims came together and said, okay, what can we do to survive? Because we're broke. And they all agreed upon a couple things, and it was morally that Muslims, Catholics, and Protestants, they've been fighting about everything for decades, all said, we believe that we have a problem with sexuality and the brokenness that exists and the, uh, uh, like the polygamy of the tribes and stuff like that, and we know this is not the way forward. We believe that abstinence is God's plan for marriage, that people need to wait. We know that that's God's original plan and we know no one's living into it. So how do we build a country with a governance that we talk about that? So for the next couple of years, they start propping up these abstinence platforms and talking about in schools and start promoting marriage and start promoting families. And then comes, do you remember in the 80s, the massive, like the concerts and stuff that were done about the AIDS thing and then uh, uh, Liberace, Freddie Mercury, we have these stars coming out that they were dying of AIDS and then there was this huge AIDS crisis and there was all, all like this like humanitarian relief effort by NATO, by WHO and whatever, not the WHO, but the World Health Organization and they went in, because the WHO, I think they, you know, probably had a different view than, um, but there was this thing and, and, and they went to all the nations of Africa and offered relief. Every country received it except for one. Uganda. Why? Because uh, Uganda said, we're not going to pass out rubbers and we're not going to just give contraceptives out, female or male. They said, we're preaching abstinence. Every country received it, AIDS relief, except for Uganda. Something amazing happened. They held their ground and they said, we're not going to be like everybody else. We're not just gonna sell off ourselves the highest bidder or the popular ideology of the day, no matter what it costs us. We're going to promote family. We're gonna promote abstinence and we're gonna try to see if we can fix this because we've never done this. Now, 40 plus years later, they're a burgeoning first world country. Uganda decided to promote family, decided to promote uh, like, uh, like morality. And now what they've done is they've created a culture of ingenuity. They're like... They didn't get the handout that every other nation in Africa got. Well, they have less AIDS than anybody. And they've got this culture that didn't take a handout. They decide to get a hand up. 
and honor God on some level on just this baseline principle that Muslims, Christians, Jews believe about abstinence and that it's meant for marriage and it, it's helped their AIDS problem. And now they have this culture of entrepreneurialism where they're not like everyone else just saying, will you give us money, will you help us out, we're really broken, we really need it. No, they solved their own problem. And God said, if you honor me, I'll give you wealth. He said, if you honor me, I'll give you healthy families. If you honor me, I'll revive your land. They have the most fertile crops and land in all of Africa. There was droughts aplenty. And now there's something different about their land physically because I believe of the spiritual blessing. There's a revival happening there that's not happening many places on earth because I believe that somehow these people just got it right and God has restored their country. And it's because they took his word seriously and said, we're gonna hitch ourselves to that. We're not gonna sell out to what the culture's trying to give us or what the world's trying to push on us. We're gonna choose God because we, we know we've tried it and it's not worked. So let's at least try something different. So maybe your life's really broken. And the one thing maybe you haven't done is just said, oh, I'm gonna fully trust. I'm gonna fully surrender. I'm gonna fully trust. I'm not just gonna do it for one minute because we know one minute never cured anyone. If it comes easy, it goes easy. So the next couple of weeks, we're gonna talk about this stuff really straight up because we believe that Jesus has a desire and a hunger for healing for us that he wants to release on us and that we, we, we get to be different. Not that we have to, we get to. And we'll get to see the fruit just like this nation scene. That if we say, God, we're gonna choose your way, we're gonna choose your life and we're gonna be a beacon to others, watch what he does. So men's healthy sexuality, if you're struggling with issues, I said same-sex attraction, compulsive masturbation, affairs, just even lust that you just like, I want to get rid of this. Come to that. Come this on, Thursday, come. Come on, Ryan. Come. This is, <clears throat> this is not just some fly-by-night thing. When I got hired, I said, hey, this is coming with me, and this is the right time. And then we're going to have, have a group for the women, transforming 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 betrayal, sorry, I can't get it out. And then we have CR, we have AA, we have stuff. We believe that these ministries matter and we wanna help people that are either dealing with their own brokenness or the brokenness of others. So give it a chance, come back next week. My dear friend and mentor, Chuck Moore is gonna share. He kind of started MHS. Chuck saved my life, my marriage. Uh, huge reason why I'm here, I encourage you to come. Next week, Chuck formerly worked for Procter & Gamble and Crossroads, amazing man of God. Um, just has a wisdom, wisdom of Yoda <laughs> with the humor of Robin Williams and just the voice of Alan Alda. So Chuck is, Chuck's probably embarrassed. He's probably red faced back there. I won't even point him out, but look for the beat red face guy. But um, if you want prayer today, we want prayer. I know we're right up to the edge, but who cares? Bengals don't play for an hour. Um, <clears throat> but we want to pray for you if you're struggling or maybe you're really mad at something I said. Come talk to me today. I'd rather you email, but because um, I can think about it more, um, but or or I can let Amber deal with it. Um, but Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you meet us today? Would you help us understand what your highest and best use is for our lives? What healthy sexuality means? Help us to walk in your way and your truth and your life. And I pray the next couple of weeks are not a firestorm. I know there's gonna be backlash, but Lord, I pray it's not what we think, but I pray more the backlash gets unleashed, uh, Lord, on the enemy. That the way he's lied to us, that we've been uh, kind of cajoled, manipulated. Lord, the misunderstanding we've had, the brokenness, 
maybe we've had or we've inflicted on others, would you meet us in this place and would you unleash something powerful? That 2023 would be a year of growth, healing and change in Vineyard Florence. Because Lord, I believe that just like you said to Isaac, that I'm gonna do something here that won't just bless Israel, go on to all the earth. I believe there's things that you wanna do, there's prophetic promise in this place that you wanna do for us so they can go off to the whole earth. Help us to be those kind of people. We love you and bless you. In your name we pray, amen. Well, hey, there's gonna be a prayer team up here. Go and sin less, and we'll see you uh, Wednesday at prayer and maybe at MHS.